Welcome to the Big Ticket Clients Podcast, where we feature expert thought leaders and cover the best strategies, stories, and psychology you need to land big ticket clients. Because as you know, you can't catch a whale with a worm. Well, hello everyone. This is Dr. Pillay, and it is my pleasure to introduce you to one of the most amazing sales thought leaders we have today on the planet, Mr. Lee Sauls. How are you, Lee? I'm doing great, Dr. Pillay. How are you doing? I'm doing great, and I think I'm doing just a little bit better than you because it's warm in Austin, <laughs> Texas right now, and I know you're up in Minnesota. Tell us about that. Yeah, we're we're just coming out of a cold snap. Name another place on the planet where you could have a 100-degree temperature swing. Yeah. So we had a wind chill down around minus 60, and we're going to be 40 tomorrow. Oh my That's a three-day change. Three-day oh, change. Oh my goodness! I, you know, I, I am sorry to hear that. You know, and and we, as we talked about before the show, when I lived in Minnesota, I was actually part of a company that came up with their name as Windchill. <laughs> <laughs> so look, I get the reputation. Okay, all right. Now, Lee, I am very, very proud to be reading your book, and I'm really, really enjoying it, particularly because I'm a marketing guy, and you've written you've written a sales book about sales differentiation. A fascinating book. I love it. And I want to start by asking you, what is sales differentiation all about? So can I be politically incorrect? Please, please. We love that. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to describe where the idea came from. Uh, As a teenager is when I first became intrigued by the subject of differentiation. So I like to say I got pregnant with the idea as a teenager. Okay. (laughs) But I wasn't ready to come out and share with the world until almost my 50th birthday. Gosh, we're two weeks away from the 50th birthday. And I'll tell you an interesting story and what inspired it. Uh I was living in New Jersey and we had a family friend who started this business, which was a pickup and delivery dry cleaning, which today, I mean, Everybody does it. But he had this idea. He said, you know, none of the dry cleaners offer this. So what he did was contract with a couple of the neighborhood dry cleaners, and he did all the pickup and delivery. And I I was his driver. Oh, my goodness. Okay. And I was intrigued because he was charging significantly more for the service than any of the dry cleaners were. Hmm. But what he had done was he had said, boy, what is a challenge people have? What frustrates people with dry cleaning? Mm-hmm. And it was finding time to get there and finding time to get it. And he said, if I took that away, mm-hmm. would they pay more? And they did. And it, and so that's what first created the intrigue in me around differentiation. Wow. So so basically, you know, if sales is viewed as the thing that helps you take action, he mm-hmm. found that little nugget that would make the difference, regardless of all the marketing that had been done in the past. It was that nugget in the sales process that made the change. So on that note, you also yeah. make a, you also make a really good point in your book, which I, I subscribe to that, you know, sales is different from marketing, but not a lot of people know why and how. Can you tell us what you mean by sales differentiation versus marketing differentiation? Sure. So let me back up a step and, and explain what sales differentiation is all about. And then I'll. Yeah. Contrast yeah. it. Okay. So I, I mentioned the the premise first came to mind back as a teenager, and I wasn't prepared to share it until now. But the core objective of sales differentiation is uh-huh. to help salespeople win more deals at the prices they want. Mm. And there's two components to sales differentiation. There's sales differentiation around what you sell, 
and sales differentiation around how you sell. Yep. So one of the challenges that I find that companies have, I mean, their executive teams or salespeople, they'll look at a set of differentiators that they have and they'll be so passionate about them. Say, boy, we should never have to fight over price. There's so much value here. Mm-hmm. But they're completely ineffective in building that passion in the person on the other side of the desk. Mm-hmm. So what they need is strategies to build that passion and help someone on the other side of the desk see what they see to justify the price point that's been put on it. And so that's what the first half of the book teaches is strategies around sales differentiation of what you sell. Yep. The other half is sales differentiation around how you sell. I've identified opportunities for salespeople to differentiate themselves, to provide meaningful value in every interaction between themselves and a buyer. Mm-hmm. Opportunities to be different than what their competitors are doing that someone says, ah, oh, I would much rather buy from you than Mm -hmm. the alternative. Mm -hmm. But you're right. When you talk about differentiation, where do most people's minds turn? Marketing. Yeah. (laughs) Right? That's where they go. You said differentiation. We go here. Marketing. Yeah. And they're not wrong. There is marketing differentiation. But I believe that there's a missed opportunity in so many organizations. And I refer to that as sales differentiation. And here's how I define the two. Marketing differentiation is one directional communication for the masses. It screams, hey, look at us. We're here. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's what your website does. That's what trade shows do in your collateral material. It shares all of these capabilities, potential for the relationship. Mm -hmm. Sales differentiation is two directional communication with an individual specific buyer. Everybody buys for a different reason. Absolutely. Right? And so it's personalizing that experience, taking all of this potential and capabilities and bringing it down to a solution. So yeah. I love when, when salespeople say, I sell solutions. You can't mm-hmm. sell solutions. You, solutions are crafted. Here's what someone's trying to accomplish. Here's what I have to offer. And it comes together. And that is what a solution is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, it, and that's what sales differentiation gives you the tools to be able to do. You know, you know, what's interesting, Lee, is that, you know, you know, in all of the things we've talked about, I haven't actually mentioned why I just love your focus and, um, you know, really what you've discovered, right? And that is the sales differentiation you're talking about is actually about what I call big ticket clients, right? Mm. The name of my show, the name of my business, everything I do is big ticket clients. Because frankly, right. if you're a small ticket purchaser, look, I can send you to a funnel, you know, go through two or three steps and buy my thousand dollar course online sight unseen, sure. right? right. And that doesn't work when you're talking about big ticket clients. So it makes a lot of sense. So, so, you know, one of the things that you do very well in, in, in your, I've seen your videos, your books, all kinds of interactions that you've done with the, the public is you are a storyteller. You're a great storyteller. <laughs> so I, I want to go back to the beginning. I want to take you way back to the beginning. I want to know who on earth is Lee Sauls? How did you get here? And, and, and can you tell us that story? Your defining so moment. So yeah. you want to get inside of me now. I that's, get, a, yeah. that's, that's a bad neighborhood. Are you sure you want to get in there? Hey, let me tell you what I want to do. I want to get past your mind and logic. I want to get into your heart and I want the people to hear your heart. So let, okay. let's, let's hear it. That's fair enough. So uh, I'm going to share with you something I do in parallel with my professional life. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I graduated high school. I was about 110 pounds. Ooh. There's pictures of me on the beach, and you can see all my ribs and everything. And I just had a very fast metabolism. I used to eat three hard roll sandwiches for lunch every day at school. Wow. Big sandwiches. Couldn't put on weight. And uh, went off to college Mm -hmm. and got into weightlifting. And while I was in college, I competed in, in bodybuilding. Discovered I hated dieting. Love lifting, hate dieting. You know, I like good food, don't right? Yeah. You like good yeah, food? I yeah, love so it. <laughs> there's no good food when you're in, in the bodybuilding world. Yeah. And then I, I discovered powerlifting. And I don't know if you remember a TV show way back when, uh, American Gladiators. Remember that show? I, I do. I had a tryout for American Gla- Gladiators. What they would do is wow. they'd come into a city mm-hmm. and they'd put this big net out saying, hey, come try out for the show. So it was mm-hmm. it's up in Syracuse, New York. And, and I, I tried out. I was one of thousands of people. And what they did, they were very smart. They would have a, a tryout event that most people couldn't pass. Mm. And what I had to do was 55 fingertip push-ups in 60 seconds. Wow. And I was one of a handful of people that did it. Oh, my God. So basically, you're like some powerlifting competitive do you have pictures by the way like a before and after we can share well, can you see behind me the trophies and medals I and do, stuff I do. Yeah. oh my goodness wow yeah so um the second event was a run and mm-hmm. i'm just not a fast individual so my, my day ended with somebody looking at a stopwatch going nope <laughs> so i did not make it on to american gladiators but i did fall in love with powerlifting Mm-hmm. I've competed in the bench press for a number of years, mm-hmm. uh, and I mentioned I'm going to turn 50. Unfortunately, I've been forced into retirement from that on New Year's Eve day of 2017. Mm-hmm. I was training in the gym, and I was on track to set some new state records for the bench press. And I was doing what's called a tricep overhead extension, just this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I had just done a set. 10 reps and I was towards the end of my workout Yep. and I said, Oh, 10 reps. We can slap 10 more pounds on. So I slapped 10 more pounds on mm-hmm. and all of a sudden I heard the pop. I completely oh. ruptured my tricep. Oh no. And, uh, so I was told I was done with powerlifting forever because here, here's a sobering conversation with your doctor. He said, here's the deal. If your tricep ruptures while you're benching, it's like mm-hmm. an engineering failure. Bar is coming down. Yeah. And there is no spotter in the world who'll save your life. So went off, had surgery. I couldn't work out at all for a number of months, but I was determined to get back to a certain level. I had this competitive edge in me and it carries over into my professional life. Mm -hmm. And I started off bench pressing just the bar again, the 45 pounds. And that's all Mm -hmm. I could do. And I said, I'm going to bench 315. So three big plates on each side. Before mm-hmm. I turned 50. On New Year's Eve of 2018, so a year to the day when I got hurt, I said, I'm not waiting my birthday. We're doing this now. And darn it, 315 went up. And that's just that competitive edge that's in me. And I don't believe you can teach it. You just have to have that drive. So, so you're saying that, that resilience, right, has a lot yeah. to do with why you are where you are today, your viewpoint about sales and the differentiation angle. If I could ask you, actually, because yeah. a lot of salespeople, 
or even marketing people who double up as salespeople like I do. Yeah. You know, we, we do a lot of things and we, we, we think we're resilient, right? But what would you say is one of the biggest mistakes that a lot of us are making, right? I know I'm probably making some. So what would you say would be the biggest mistake that salespeople make when they try to differentiate themselves in the market? Well, I'll tell you the biggest one is blaming the buyer. <laughs> That's oh, the yeah. A number one. So, yeah. so I bet talk- you they don't know. I bet you they don't know when they're doing it because they wouldn't do that on purpose, right? <laughs> no. And, okay. and our viewers are probably wondering because you told them I'm in Minnesota, but I don't sound like a Minnesotan, do I? No, you no. You lived no. here. Yeah, I grew yeah. up in New York and New Jersey. Yeah, I'm not hearing. Yeah, sure, you betcha. <laughs> no, you're not going to hear that from me. Okay, so. I moved here about 15 years ago from the D.C. metro area, but I grew up in New York City and, and New Jersey. Now, when you come here, and I was reminded of this this week, you're not issued Minnesota skin. I still have my New Jersey skin. Yeah, yeah. And my neighbors, when it snows, it's like a party. They're out snow blowing, having a grand old time. They look for other people's driveways to do. See, but I grew up in New Jersey, and that's not how we deal with snow. You know how we deal with snow? How? We get a guy. <laughs> we get a guy. We don't yeah. do it ourselves. Yeah. You say, hey, you, uh, you know, what, what, what do you call them? Vinny. <laughs> <laughs> Vinny, Mickey. You know, forget Vinny, about it. Forget about it. <laughs> That's it. But now I didn't have to do that. See, there's a website. It's called Thumbtack. Uh-huh. And I went in and I put in my criteria when I first moved here to, to have the snow removed. Now, mm-hmm. I have a home just like most people. You know, there's a walkway to the front door. There's a driveway, and I've got to clear my sidewalk. Mm-hmm. So I filled out my criteria. And what they do is they connect you with providers of various services, and snow removal is one of them. Mm-hmm. And so one of these guys reached out to me, and he said, oh, you're in Maple Grove. I'm in Maple Grove. We start having some nice conversation back and forth. Mm-hmm. And then the website presents the, the bidding prices for the service. And this guy was exponentially higher than everyone else. Wow. So I sent him a, a polite email since we had had this exchange. And I just said, I wish your price was lower. That's all I said. I got an email back this long, basically making it my fault for oh, not seeing the value. Wow. Wow. My fault. He, he was trying to guilt you into into buying as right. opposed to yeah. Right now, I he's been around a long time. I can't believe this is the first time he's here heard an issue with respect to price. Yeah. So he should have known that up front, and what he should have done, well, since we had this exchange, he had an opportunity with me. He should have said, "Lee, I know you're using Thumbtack, which is going to commoditize what we do. Here mm-hmm. are some key considerations." when making this type of decision. Mm-hmm. For example, you know, some of these guys bid, I'm sure they're teenagers that just stick a plow on on their pickup truck. Mm-hmm. If he would have said, you know, you're going to notice our price is higher, here's why. See, there's insurance that most of these companies don't have when providing snow removal services. So a kid just slap, snapping a, uh, a plow on his pickup truck is not mm-hmm. going to have the coverage if the unforeseen were to happen. Yeah, like yeah. I have a basketball hoop on my driveway. What happens? Because you know something happens with ice and you slip and you damage that. It would be my problem. Yeah. Had he counseled me on that, maybe that's why the price was what it was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's an opportunity that salespeople so often miss. If you know you're not the low price guy, and most of us aren't. Yep. Don't stick your head in the sand and wait for the issue to come up. 
position that up front. If price is going to be the sole criteria in this decision, lose early. Yeah, Get lose out. early. I love right? that. I'm going to write that down. I You need to write that as a book or a blog or something. <laughs> lose early. I love that. Absolutely. I love that. I tell my clients that all the time. If you're going to lose, lose, lose early. early. Don't don't invest a ton of time and resources and money so that you get to the end and you lose for a reason that you should have known up front. Yeah. You know, so first of all, I, I love this because, you know, if I'm a salesperson, which I am, I'm getting a lot of value here. And a p- part of it is you're really telling me some philosophical things. You're saying, think a little differently about all of the aspects of sales. Now, in your book, I want to talk now, we've talked about your context, the challenge that salespeople have. I want to talk about the the changes that you bring. You've got 19 different concepts that you've identified for how to think differently and how to act differently in sales. Could you share with us just one of those concepts that you teach in your book that that our listeners really can can put into practice? Yeah. One big one that I find that I'm trying to reprogram salespeople. See, executives... And gosh, you online media, you read a magazine, their managers, they're all telling them that mm-hmm. you are now selling to educated buyers. That's what they're being told. You're selling to educated buyers. Because every, everybody's got the internet, right? Right. It, it's this new <laughs> fad. Google. Yeah, it's Google. the new fad called the internet. You may have heard of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, actually, we're on it now, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a question I've asked salespeople for years all across the United States and Canada. And maybe it's different in other parts of the world, but I know in the U.S. and Canada, I've asked this question, and the question is this. Who knows more about the world of potential solutions in your industry, you or the people you sell to? I have never had one salesperson, not one, Say, the people I sell to know much more about the world potential solutions in my industry. Not one. You know, isn't that interesting? You know, in my my world, the marketing and the sales world combined, where I I sort of make a big differentiation between small ticket clients and big ticket clients. Mm -hmm. The issue of how much people know is really in the small ticket world. Because, I mean, come on. If you say to me, you're a coach or you're a consultant and you're going to you know, help me with my, with something. I mean, I could probably find some other coach or consultant that'll say the same thing. Everybody's saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have it clear where you can really sit me down, and if if it's not that kind of uh, big ticket situation, you got to sit people down and talk to them. Is that what you're saying? That there is a process to do that, right? Well, it's, it's conversational. See, if, if you go into an executive's office, okay, I heard Lee say, and I agree with him, that mm-hmm. I know more than the people I sell to about the work solutions in my industry, and mm-hmm. you come in and you lecture, yeah, it makes for a very short meeting. Yeah, <laughs> so we need to pull out a tool from our toolkit: questions mm-hmm. that help people think differently about the solutions they have or could have. And I refer to those in the book as positioning questions. Nice, nice. And that's it. It is so key. Yeah, uh, to make this point, I'm going to put you on the spot. Can I put you on the spot? Oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> okay, ready? What, ready. Is, what is the difference between an organic apple and a regular apple? Uh, I think the organic is redder. <laughs> and the, other one, the other one is greener. I don't know. <laughs> there you go. Usually people say, well, I know the organic apple is much more expensive ah. than the regular one. That's all they know. 
there are actually significant meaningful differences, but we don't know. So here's a product we buy every single week, and we don't know how to make an educated decision on that. Don't wow. think they know how to buy your stuff. And I don't care if it's small ticket, big ticket. I don't know. They don't know. And, and, and it's all back to the – see, what we do know is that the doctor says, you know, one apple a day makes the doctor go away or something like that. <laughs> That's so, right. So, so, so we have the marketing stuff in our heads, right? Yeah. But at the point of sale, you're saying we don't even know the difference here. That's powerful. We don't. Wow. And wow. They need – and so they need our help. And, and I argue that – because of the fact they don't know what we know, mm-hmm. it does two things. It gives us an obligation and an opportunity. Mm-hmm. I believe mm-hmm. that if you're in sales, you have an obligation to help people make informed buying decisions. Mm-hmm. The opportunity then comes to help shape buyer decision criteria. Got it. Got it. Now, you said you wanted to get to know me. I'll tell you something else about me. You ready? Talk, talk to me now. I'm not Please. handy. I'm not I want to hear it. <laughs> Oh, my wife, you're not handy? No, and my wife loves to remind me of that on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we jumped on the LED bandwagon. So we converted all our recessed lighting to LED bulbs. And mm-hmm. they're supposed to last forever and reduce energy costs, all this good things, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the one in my daughter's shower kept burning out, and that's not supposed to happen. So the electrician comes back, puts his hand up there, and he says, oh, Lee, it's all wet up here. And he goes up, he looks at my attic, he says, you have no insulation around oh, any yeah. of your hi-hats. I guess that's what you call recessed lighting, hi-hats, yeah. right? <laughs> yes, I think that's what they call it. <laughs> so he says, you need to get some insulation blown up here. And here's my knowledge of insulation. It's mm-hmm. pink and it's R something or other. That's it. That's it. That's the extent. So go into Google and I found three companies to come out and, and bid on the work. Mm-hmm. First company called up, they made the appointment, sent mm-hmm. someone out, gave me a price. Mm-hmm. Second one made the appointment, sent someone out, gave me a price. Mm-hmm. Third one made the appointment, send me an email. And the email said this, I'm guessing you've never purchased insulation before. Here are a series of questions you want to ask so that nice. you can make an informed decision. You were educating the buyer. Or Thank they were goodness, because you. I, yeah, yeah. the other two guys came out. I didn't even know what to ask them. Is it yeah. pink? And is it an orange <laughs> something or other? That's it. That's all that mattered. Wow. Then the third wow. guy, so he sends that. Then he comes out mm-hmm. and he takes a look and, and he says, so are you planning on taking advantage of the rebate from the utility company? It's mm-hmm. Rebate? What rebate? He said, Lee, you said you met with two of my competitors. They didn't tell you there's a $500 rebate when you have wow. insulation blown in your attic? Wow. So here's the punchline. He was the highest price. He got the deal. Mm-hmm. He demonstrated expertise. Mm-hmm. He helped me make an informed buying decision, which gave me confidence that he mm-hmm. was the right choice for me. Was his insulation any better? I don't believe so. Yeah. It was pink and it was R something or other. That's, that's all I know. <laughs> that's, that's what you know. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. You, know, you know what's interesting is that um, uh, several years ago, I, I got into something called the challenger sale. Mm-hmm. And the challenger sale was making the big point that, you know, relationship building was just not the point anymore. What you got to do is you almost have to challenge and intrigue the intellect um, of your of your buyers. And I, I think in a different way, you're, you're addressing that. You know, can you give me something for my mind to kind of 
chew on here. So I don't, I, I know more than I, I normally would know going in. Is that kind of what I'm hearing? Yeah, sure. So I'll give you another example. You said you lived in Minnesota, and I don't know if you remember this, but most of the counties in Minnesota, the homeowners and the businesses contract for their own trash removal. Do you remember mm-hmm, that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So on Wednesday mornings, I have a parade of garbage trucks coming down my street because everybody contracts with whoever they want to use. Each mm-hmm. truck seemingly do, does the same thing. Pulls up mm-hmm. to the home, an arm extends out, grabs the can, lifts it up, dumps the contents into the truck, mm-hmm. puts the can back down, drives away. You get an invoice at the end of the month. CEO from one of these companies reached out. He said, Lee, I believe we provide meaningful value. I believe we're different than our competitors, and we shouldn't have to fight for table scraps. And I was intrigued because every Wednesday morning, I see this parade of Mm -hmm. garbage trucks seemingly doing the same thing. And he was right. They went through a sales differentiation program with me. Mm -hmm. And one of the differentiators we uncovered was what they call a can-be-clean truck. Mm. Twice a year, this truck follows the garbage truck and cleans your garbage cans. And they're the only ones in the state of Minnesota offering this. Wow. And I I wonder how many people actually know that, right? (laughs) Well, their salespeople didn't know how to have the conversation. But this was a meaningful differentiator. So Mm -hmm. what we did was we developed a positioning question. It's an open-ended question designed to help someone think differently about the solutions they have or could have. Mm -hmm. This question was to be asked right at the very beginning of the conversation with a homeowner. Mm-hmm. So introduce yourself, and the question is this. When's the last time you had your garbage cans cleaned? Mm. Because we know they never have unless they did it themselves. Wow. And right in that moment, we've helped someone think differently about something as simple as trash. Yeah, why isn't someone cleaning my garbage cans? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Right? Wow. So you can imagine if someone knocked on your door <clears throat> to talk about a trash solution, the only conversation you'd want to have is, well, if you're saying you're going to save me a nickel, okay, we'll switch over to you because it all seems Mm -hmm. like it's the same. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I say to salespeople all the time, I'm going to put you on the spot again. You know, everybody feels like they're selling a commodity, Mm -hmm. right? That's always the feeling. And a commodity is a horrible feeling for a salesperson because it means the only thing that buyers care about is price. Mm -hmm. So here, I'm going to give you a commodity. You ready? Okay. Toilet paper. Got it. It's a commodity. How many different ways have you seen toilet paper differentiated? Name some. How about number of ply, right? Some are one yeah. ply, two ply, three ply, number of sheets yeah. per roll, yeah. color, mm-hmm. right? You know, my, my, my wife would be better at this question because I have, <laughs> I have never actually, I don't remember buying a different kind of toilet paper for a reason. I just pick whatever I see, but she has talked to me about these different types I, I, that you're mentioning. So. I'll bet you'd notice if she bought the cheap one, I'll the one that feels check. like sandpaper. I'll have to check now. But, you know, <laughs> okay. Now, before we get too far in, in, in that conversation, I have another question for you, which mm-hmm. is really all about, you know, my, my listeners are usually people trying to make the switch between what I call small ticket marketing and sales strategies and big ticket, right? Okay. And the, the, the biggest thing really is, you know, not only is it about price, okay, which is higher on the big ticket side, but it's also about bigger challenges that are solved, right? And it's also about a different way of communicating and interacting with them. So could you give them, in your worldview, right, because you're on the big ticket side, yeah. give them a sense of what success looks like. You know, maybe it's a mindset thing. Maybe it's an outcome. 
What does success look like, look like being in big ticket sales? Um, well, I would say big, big ticket or, or small ticket. There, there's mm-hmm. another question I love to ask salespeople. Mm-hmm. It's, and this is not in the book. It's who's your okay. biggest competitor? Ooh. And for most salespeople, they'll rattle off this company, that company, the other company. And they'll say, I'm sure that's a tough competitor. But there's one even bigger. Mm. And someone will say, oh, the old sales trainer one, the status quo, the choice to do nothing, which yeah. is also a formidable competitor. But there's one even bigger. Mm-hmm. Can you guess who that is? Now, I, I'm probably wrong, but is it you? Boy, a lot of people say that. And also, that <laughs> mindset could be it. But there's one yeah. even bigger. Okay. It's every salesperson calling on the same person you are trying to get a meeting. See, we're egocentric. We think mm. of it from our perspective. Let's flip it around. You're calling on an executive who has this much responsibility, mm-hmm. right? So they're getting calls from salespeople representing all of that purview, that mm-hmm. full responsibility set, trying to get a meeting. I'll give yeah. you another little nugget about me. And you wanted to know me. I know. I, I, was a know. Hist- <laughs> I was a history major in college. I went to Binghamton University in upstate New York. Mm-hmm. And while mm-hmm. I was there, I discovered a very interesting fact. Not a lot of people know this. In the history of business, no executive has ever had the responsibility to meet with salespeople every hour on the hour. It's never happened. Yeah, no. (laughs) Right? So what this means is we're competing for FaceTime, and I don't mean the Apple technology. Mm -hmm. You've got hundreds, if not thousands of salespeople calling that same person you are emailing them, calling them, leaving them voicemail messages. With the same stuff about themselves, not the, not the, the prospect. And yeah. they're not <laughs> differentiating themselves at all. And, and so here's the way this works. If you can't get a meeting, there's never a proposal. If there's mm. no proposal, there's no deal, mm-hmm. no commission check, and you're out looking for another job. That's a very wow. logical sequence. So we've got to be different right in that first interaction First no, meeting, first first connection, not meeting. First, first connection. Opportunity. Yeah, That's right. Yeah. That's right. And so I'll share with you a strategy, and I, I share this in the book as well on how to do that. Mm-hmm. So imagine it's 2 in the morning, and there's a mm-hmm. pounding on your front door. It's the police. They mm-hmm. want to have a conversation with you about a crime that's recently been committed. Now, they don't randomly pick you and your home for this conversation. Mm-hmm. They've followed a trail of evidence put together a crime theory, which Mm -hmm. has led them to you for a conversation right now. Mm -hmm. Can you see where we're going? Yes. A sales crime theory. And that's founded in the answer to this question. Why should they want to have a conversation with you right now? Not why should we talk with them? That's egocentric. Why should they want to talk with us right now? Yeah. So I think, Mm-hmm. I was Go going to say, so we need to identify what types of evidence would indicate to us that they should want to have a conversation with us right now. Yeah. You know, what's, what's really powerful about what you're saying is that um, it really lines up with the psychology of human interaction, right? You know, my expertise is, you know, narrative psychology. I'm, the, I'm all about storytelling, just like you are. And, and in my book, I talk about how psychology is the key component of marketing and sales. So you've just identified what I call the psychology of empathy. People respond to you when you are talking about them. Yeah. It's very simple. And yet it's the number one thing a lot of people forget. They just show up and sort of throw up <laughs> all the value vomits and everything. And it's like, come on, talk yeah. about me. You know, 
So I have a client that, and they're going through a project with me right now. They, yeah. they sell to retailers and they help mm-hmm. at the store level. So mm-hmm. what we've done is we've identified their key decision influencers, the mm-hmm. ones who influence decision to buy or not. From yep. that, we've narrowed it down and we've said, okay, what are the right points of entry into an account? So let's say we started at six, now we're down to three. Mm-hmm. And then we went through and put together a sales crime theory strategy for each one. Mm-hmm. We've said, imagine you open the business journal and there's an article and it screams to you. They should want to have a conversation with you right now. What's that mm-hmm. headline? What's it read? And so we would go through and create. You tell me. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying that's what we do is we identify, okay. we create these headlines. Got so it. for example, in their case, uh, if it's good news or bad news, if mm-hmm. it's uh, retailer announces a new corporate expansion, opening more stores, and then mm-hmm. we said, okay, based on that, they should want to have a conversation with us. Why? Because of X, Y, and Z. And then we mm-hmm. put together a strategy to use for prospecting based on that piece of news. Yeah. Then we also had one uh, ABC retailer announces they're closing a bunch of stores. Mm-hmm. Okay, they have a solution in that instance as well. Mm-hmm. So we then work with them to come up with the strategy to use for prospecting to this individual based on that bit of news. And, and each each strategy is different. It right? is it's different. Not, it's not mass marketing, which is no. one of the things that a lot of people in the small ticket world are buying into mm-hmm. this idea that one message works for everyone. You know, right. but I but but I have to say, um, you know, Lee, your your book, your your work, your philosophy line up very well with everything I believe in. And you know, I, I just want to give you a chance to kind of give us one final nugget before we wrap up. You know, what is if you were to look at people listening and wanting to grow in in sales and differentiate themselves, what is the one big nugget that you might share with them based on your experience? Yeah, and uh, it reminds me of a conversation I had with my wife a couple of weeks ago. We're driving in the mm-hmm. car, and I asked her this. I said, would you rather go to a restaurant that has outstanding food and mediocre service or one that has pretty good food and outstanding service? What do you think she said? No, I would love to know what she said because I, I, that's a good question. <laughs> the latter. The mm. latter one. The one that the, has – It was the service, Right. That, and so what this tells us is that just because someone's product may have every bell and whistle manageable, it's just incredible, you can mm-hmm. beat them. You can yeah. beat them if you differentiate around how you sell. Create wow. value in every interaction that you have with that buyer. Wow. And it, you know, it might I, be accidental. You got to plan it. Wow. You know, I can't tell you how much what you just said resonates with me. You know, in, in my model for, for this marketing and sales process of big ticket clients, I talk about the sale, the, the, the funnel, if you will, not ending when you get the client. Yeah. The funnel actually ends after the client has been very well served and they give you a referral or they come back for another visit. If they are not a client the second time or they don't refer you to anyone else, you have failed even though you got them. So it it sort of aligns with what you're saying that if you can differentiate on service, right? That's that's as powerful as anything else you can talk about, bells and whistles and included, right? Well, well, let's break service into two buckets. There's customer Mm -hmm. service and account management, and they're often used as synonyms, and I argue that they're not. Customer service is when your client is contacting you for something. Mm -hmm. So the measurement is, did you respond timely and accurately? 
Account management is the proactive set of activities and behaviors that you provide, not them asking for it. It's that you offer them beyond what the product features and functions do. It's what you do to provide value to that account. See, I'll Mm -hmm, see mm -hmm. clients all the time. They say, oh, yes, we ranked our clients A, B, and C. Of course, Mm -hmm. they only do it by revenue contribution. They don't think through, what if it's a strategic account? Maybe not a lot of revenue, but great name. Mm-hmm. So they have them as a C instead of an A. But in, in any case, they rank them. I said, so what do you do with that? And they look at me like, um, do with that? <laughs> well, we have to prescribe the account management experience. What do we want to do for the A? What do we mm-hmm. want to do for the B? What do we want to do for the C? In the absence of that, you're going to have C clients treated like an A, A clients treated like a C, and you're scratching your head going, okay, we're spending way too much taking care of a C, and the A's are leaving us because we're not providing enough value to them. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about big ticket clients, mm-hmm. account management matters, not it just the features does. and functions of the product. I love the, the your focus on the proactive uh, a part of this, not the reactive sort of taking orders, contact management, contact sales center, and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, on that note, uh, I, we, you and I could talk for hours. Obviously, I can, I can tell. I learned so much just talking from you, and I love your book. Thanks. I want to make sure that people know how to get your book. Obviously, Amazon, right? Sales differentiation. But what's the best way for people to reach you uh, online, Lee? Yeah. So first of all, the book is available at brick and mortar stores. It's available at your favorite online website, Amazon, one eight hundred CEO read, whatever you prefer. Yep. Wherever you buy it. Go to salesdifferentiation.com and click on the bonus flag. Mm. I'm offering my video series. Normally, it's only available to my workshop clients, but I'm offering this to those who purchase the book. And it's the Sales Differentiation Minute. I'm lying a little bit because they're a little bit more than a minute. Some are, <laughs> some are as long as five minutes, but they're brief. And hey, are you designed. saying you're telling st- – are you saying you tell stories, man? I tell stories. <laughs> I tell stories. <laughs> But each video is designed to help you take what you've read and put it into practice. Perfect. Perfect. I just want to encourage anyone who's listening, right? Sometimes you hear these nuggets. Don't let them go one ear out the other ear because this could be your million-dollar nugget that you just heard today from Lee. So, Lee, thank you so much. It has been my pleasure to meet with you, and uh, I hope that we can talk again very soon. I appreciate it. This has been great fun. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Okay. Thanks for tuning in to the Big Ticket Clients Podcast. For more episodes and strategies, visit BigTicketClients.com. That's www.BigTicketClients.com. And remember, you can't catch a whale with a worm. <laughs>